Welcome to The Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed, is now part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts, connecting music and arts fans like you with conversation, commentary, and of course, lots of music. Check out OsirisPod.com for more great podcasts, and you'll hear more about Osiris at the end of the episode. Welcome to the party, pal. This is the film and television podcast you never knew you needed. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Saxon, with my co-host, Michael Shields. What? Hello, yeah, Michael. Hello, hello. Uh, you know I'm always pumped when we're doing sci-fi. Yeah. It's, it's time to get sci-fi. Today we're talking about the Amazon series, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, which uh, we're going to kind of go through most of the episodes, but... Uh, some will gloss over. Some will get into a little, little deeper than others. No question. I mean, we're obviously going to have our favorites. It's, it's it, you know, anyone who listens probably aware that's the series inspired by the works of prolific, to say the least, author uh, Philip K. Dick, um, who wrote "Do Androids Dream of Electric sl- Electric Sleep?" Which sheep, from- sheep, sheep. I, I do that all the time. It's another podcast I could be found saying the same thing. Uh, which Blade Runner is inspired on. Minority Report. He, yep. Uh, Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly, uh, yeah. Amongst others. And it's a show that was released on Channel 4 in England on a weekly basis uh, when was it? back in October of uh, 2017. So they got a taste of it before we did. And and so we got it early January. So we know, you know, this already happened. Mandy might have seen it. Uh, but, you know, it, we wanted to talk about it. It's really... It's ten unique, cool stories based on his uh, his you know bounteous uh, uh, amounts of, of short stories, and I, I just I love Philip K. Dick, yeah. so that's we want to get into it a little. Yeah, before we get into it, make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram handle is at Welcome to the Party Pal Podcast, and uh, our Twitter is at to the Party Pal, and, and email. I'm always pushing people. Get at us. We want to know what, what what's going on. I want to start the conversation. Welcome to the Party Pal Podcast at Gmail dot com. Um, yeah. You know, let's talk. Let's 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 let's, let's share our uh, our mutual love of, of of film and television. Yeah, 
Yeah. I wanted to bring up one thing before uh, we get into this, because this is an anthology series. And, you know, of course, the, the most talked about, buzzed about um, anthology series right now that's in this realm of sci-fi is Black Mirror. And so right when this came out, a lot of people were right away drawing comparisons right to Black Mirror. Oh my God, I did. It's hard not to. Yeah. It's hard not to. And I, I think I just want to mention, I say something about it, because I don't think it's fair to both series to be doing this. And it's, it's like I said... To what? Wait, to, it's to, not... be, to be just, like, directly comparing... Yeah, of course not. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, it make, like I said, it makes sense. It's, it's such a simple comparison. Why, why wouldn't you make that comparison? But, but I, I will say this. Um, I think we both can be in agreement with the fact that you know we love what Black Mirror has done to a, to a degree more than what this series has done in one year, of course. Right. But I mean, without without I forgot to close the window. We got we got some sirens in New York City. Um, without uh, Philip K. Dick, without Philip K. Dick, we, I mean, who knows if. if Black Mirror, any of these. <laughs> I do apologize. That's, that's a lot. Right. Um, without Philip K. Dick, uh, I mean, who knows what if Black Mirror would have. Uh, that's a, that's kind of a leap. Who knows if Black Mirror would have existed? But let's dig in. I really like it's. We have a lot to kind of get to, and they, it was it was real. It was a cool season, and and um, we do have, we do have a we have a cool surprise at the end. Uh, fuck it, it's not a surprise. Let, let me just talk about it now. We have a. We have an interview that we're going to air at the end. It did air on um, another podcast I, do, I would deal with. It's called the Cross the Margins Podcast. Um, and when, when we agreed to get this uh, interview with his name's Kalen Egan, he's a writer and producer of Electric Dreams. Uh, he, you know, we talked about him being on both these podcasts. So we have that interview. We're going to attach it to the end. Kalen wrote episode six of this series. It's called Safe and Sound. So we, when we do get to that, we're just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll bounce right past it because we break it down as, as we close down Brian and my discussion, we're going to move into that. And so you can really get into, he's actually, he's not only just the writer and producer on Electric Dreams, he also, uh, he, he's, he produces uh, Man in the High Castle and now he's on their writing staff. And, 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 and more than that, in, in relation to Philip K. Dick, he is a part of it's it's called uh, Electric Shepherd Productions, and this is a, a production company that works with Philip K. Dick's daughter, and they are responsible, kind of the curators of of his catalog, which is just vast. I think it's thirty six novels. Have you read the Have you read the uh, Electric Dreams, the short stories? I know I've read a bunch of his short stories, but like I mean, there's a hundred and twenty. Short stories he's written. So, yeah. so I mean, the hopes is, in, in, in my mind, is, is that we can, you know, there's so much more of this to come. And that's, I was hoping, I, I'm really pushing the series because I want more. Like this, I love this series, but there's so many amazing stories that he, that he's written that, that I want to see come to life. Right. So, um, episode one, it's called Real Life. This is the one that, um, that featured uh, Anna Paquin. And Terrence, Terrence Howard. Uh, it's it was uh, uh, directed by Jeremy Reiner, uh, who's done a lot of stuff: The Affair, Fargo, Friday Lights, and 
Uh, it was uh, written by um, Ronald D. Moore. Have you heard that name? No. I don't, you're not a Battlestar Galactica. No, no, we've gotten into this before. <laughs> That's my shit. So he's actually a showrunner on this, and he's a showrunner on Battlestar Galactica, which was fucking phenomenal. But uh, what did you think of episode one? Uh, I liked it. I um, Terrence Howard was really, really good. So good. Um, if I'm going to critique it, I would say the, the biggest critique I have is Anna Paquin. Mm. Um, I think I've heard you God, mention man, that I, you're not a fan I'm of not her. I'm not a fan of her, yeah. of her acting. It's, I mean, I don't know how to put it any other way. I just don't, like, I didn't buy it, like, her yeah. being a cop. But every time it shifted from her world into Terrence Howard's mm-hmm. world, that was really, that was super compelling. And then the biggest thing that I found about this, about this episode was how at a certain point I did get lost and I didn't know which way was up. Okay. So that, as they were shifting back and forth, yes. like I really started to not understand. I Wait wasn't a minute. Sure, what was the episode's called? Real life. I wasn't sure what the real life was. Right. And that was so cool. That's. I mean. Yeah. It's, it's, that was that was terrifying. My base. Point. Yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah. That's really scary. Absolutely. And I felt like they were losing their base point. I mean, the, the whole thing was happening all together, and I think that's a, that's it's it. It takes great filmmaking. Right. Television. Can we call it filmmaking for television? Yeah. You can't. It's film. (laughs) It's film. It's film. Exactly. Um, It takes great filmmaking to really wrap you up and, you know, you're having the same kind of feelings and emotions that that they're going through. It was was a wild ride. It was a great start. Mm, Yeah. Um, I can't can't think of anything else. I mean, just the the fact that I got lost was what I took. Right, right. Uh... I want to do. I want that thing. I do want that thing. Yeah. It's it's uh, well. That's I mean, uh, and also, you know, it's kind of weird about that that she just she had a hard day at work. Yeah. And she came home, and her girlfriend was like, "You know what you should do? You need a little vacation." Right. And then she just like did it. Just like she didn't sit her down and say, "Recall, recall, yeah, recall. yeah." <laughs> Don't go to recall. Go to They'll recall. fuck your brain up. <laughs> um. It's, it's 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 I'm gonna mention uh, Total Recall in another. That's episode. right. He did. He he wrote yeah. Total Recall oh, too. Yeah, yeah. it's fuck um, man. It's, yeah, it's just a lot of these worlds, a lot of the technologies, and and I, you know, being being a sci-fi nerd, I'm, I am a, I am drawn to these unique technologies, and you know, to bring up Black Mirror again, so many of their technologies, I'm like, damn, damn, they scare the fuck out of me, and right. well, they excite me. They excite me in certain ways too. So. Um, yeah, man, it was it, it was except for except for Metalhead. No one needs these dogs. No one needs, these no dogs. One needs the. Why are we creating our demise? Oh, it's inevitable. Boston Dynamics. Boston Dynamics is the uh, Cyberdyne of 2018. It's, it's happening. Episode two. Uh, it was called Auto Fact. It was um, it, it's it it was a cool one. You know, you know what? Uh, I think the the um the the funnest fun fact. Uh, was um, it's directed by Peter Horton. Have you heard the name? Mm-hmm. I want you while I'm describing who he is. I want you to Google him right now. I mm-hmm. want you to anyone listen to Google him right now, especially if you're if you're above 35. Um, you know who he is. He was in a show called uh, 30 something. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was he was married to Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. He was like he was winning People magazines, like Man of the Year or whatever. Beautiful. I don't. But I don't know what the fuck People magazine says. But um. Thirty you know something. Who he is, so I know. If you want something fun, you right know who now. you know what he's in. What? You ever see Singles? 
he's the he's the uh he's the bike guy in singles yeah yes i thought singles soundtrack is something i still right 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 yeah that's a that's a it's an old school yeah pearl jam it's it's seattle it's a i mean uh that was a that was cameron cameron crow absolutely um, auto fact. Another fun fact, and I'm sure everyone knows the auto fact robot was uh, Janelle Monae. Yeah, it's, I thought she that can was act, great. man. She's awesome. She and was good in Moonlight too. Yeah, absolutely, she was. She, I think she's just awesome in uh, everything. I, you know what? I just I thought the it, it just seemed real. The world they created, it, do, it did seem like the world after like a nuclear attack. It, it like it. Yeah. It, it, it felt like you know they were in the shit. They were, you know, and I think. Look it's at that Peter Horton haircut from the nineties. That. That's really honestly, if you that's amazing. That is um, an amazing. I think the series mullet. as a whole does a good good job of of going big, meaning that like in this episode you really see just this world. Not only do they, do they take you to like these compounds where they're trying to live after this nuclear uh, war, but they take you into the auto fact that is like the you know this. This, factory yeah and just and it's 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 so big and and it does act as a warning black mirror does a great job of this I, you know what i just shit i started this podcast by kind of shitting about the comparison and i keep going back to it, but it's hard not to but it acts like a warning of the all-consuming power of of uh of consumerism and it's right. and it's ability to swallow us all whole it's, yeah man i was in uh well that's what we're taught to do that's I mean, that's, that's what's that's drilled into control. our heads is to is bye, to bye, buy. Bye. Yeah, I was in uh, Century Twenty One, which is a uh, would everyone? What would you call I it? I wouldn't know I, yeah. that if I wasn't here. Nah, it's New York City. I think it's only is it only New York I think City? So. I don't know. Either way, it's a big department store. I uh, stay closed. in my bubble. I stay in my bubble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, I'm um, from Virginia. So, yeah, and there were people just walking around. You always see tourists there. That's like a big, like, tourist spot. But there are people that just kind of have those those weird little, not shopping carts, but bat, but uh, baskets that you roll around. Yeah. And there are people just, like, aimlessly wandering around, filling their bags with just clothes that you can tell they don't, like, really fucking need. They're just yeah. there to, like, buy. And I've been noticing it a lot lately, just, like, human beings need to buy stuff. When they don't really need that stuff, it's a fucking sickness. Absolutely. And I think uh, I think Autofact touches on it. Yeah. It, it, obviously, it society got to like this point where it was just they took over. Yeah. They took over, and I mean, they a lot can, a lot of people can say they 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 have already. And consumerism is it's it's a way to control people. Right. It is. It's really. It's um, yeah. It's a cool episode. I mean, and not mind blowing, but definitely. I, I mean. After these two, after real life and Autofact, I was like, I, right away, I'm like, I'm in, man. I'm yeah. In. And then what we were brought with next, and, and you know, I'm, I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. It's my thing. I'm just, I was so excited for the Brian Cranston episode, and that was episode three. Uh, there was a different order. I human, mentioned this. Human is. Human is. I, there was a different order for um, when they were released in, on Channel 4 in uh, England, but uh, this is, we're doing the way it was. It was presented to us on Amazon, but human Yeah, is, we're American. Oh yeah, we're America. Um, and so this 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 was the Brian Cranston episode. It's it's hard to you know look at it as anything but but uh, 
it, not only did it turn out to be the Brian Cranston episode, it turned out to be the Liam Cunningham episode. From, uh, from Davo Seaworth. I think I texted you. I, you know, I, like I, I've done some podcasts on Game of Thrones over across the margin. Uh, anyone who knows me and knows my Game of Thrones um, fandom knows I'm a Davos guy. So I think at one point, Team, da- was, team oh, Davos. Team, team, was all, team Davos all the way. And I think I texted you <laughs> like in like middle of the night. I was watching this late, and I'm like. I'm like, yo, it's Walter White and Davos. Man. Yeah, like, it's a, that's a uh, that's a serious mix. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, 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 this this was another huge scope. Remember, like this cliffside honeycomb structure that they yeah. that they were living in, and and uh, that and, like crazy underground. She went on street level and then went into yeah, that she, like insane whorehouse. That crazy thing down low. They even took you into some of the war zones and mm-hmm. like just the scope felt big and and uh I can't confirm this cuz I'm not familiar with the story which is also entitled Human Is but uh from everything I'm reading this was like the most faithful of all of them to to his story yeah. which is, which is yeah, because I mean, so how long how long ago were these uh, most of them stories actually, written? I, I think you're gonna hear the exact dates in the interview that I had with Kaylin at the end, but it's I mean we're talking fifties, forties, and fifties. Yeah, but they did. There was refurbishing. There was you know of course crafting of course, and then that's they wanted to present it in new lights and and, and ways. But uh, but but this one was so fun in a lot of ways because it did touch on what does it mean to be quote unquote human mm-hmm. like what is like because the alien that embodied the person that was Brian Cranston it can be argued was way more human than Brian Cranston right you know and so like what 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 is what does it actually mean like what is this word we use as human uh, if you know what I'm saying I mean, yeah is it, is, it, is, is it compassion is it empathy is it like the ability to love because he didn't before he left he came back able to love yeah so it's it's it well she was she was definitely more into it yeah 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 she was she she could tell you what she's yeah uh, more human yeah but it, was, it was a tale of loneliness and the need for companionship that 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 actually like transcended species right she didn't give a fuck right she knew he was the alien at a certain point yeah and she's just like i like this better and like they when they were there was it was romantic man they when they were like looking at each other at times it was like and they were, you know, kind of, you know, just she was she would have done anything for him at the end. It was it was it was it was sweet. Yeah, that was a good line where she was just like, "What's your name?" And he was like, "You wouldn't be able to yeah, pronounce it." Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was tender, and uh, it's it it was it was a cool one. They 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 kind of crushed that one. I thought. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Episode four was entitled "Crazy Diamond." This one, uh, this, this this one was weird. Yeah, you know what? I've actually I, spent a lot of time trying to understand it because I was taken by it right away. It's that like visually, like, it reminded me of like a Tim Burton. Yeah, like, like I mean, it was so fucking weird. There was like there's mutant pig. The mutant pig things were fucking me up. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. No, I don't know. I mean, it featured like the, the, the these weird, weird AI infused humans called Jack and Jills, like these pig people. There was there was like these 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 uh, communities built along the the, the crumbling coast, which mm-hmm. is I mean something we can all relate to. But that you could actually see where they had the houses, the the, the whatever the pod homes 
falling over him in some pictures. It was fucking. But were they were they confined to that community? That's the sense that I got. I don't know because I they, got the sense that that community was like trying to keep all their members there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like I said, I didn't really... I don't know if I got that well, this yeah. episode. Well, I mean, like I said, I tried to dig into it. Because when I first w- watched it, I, w- I, was, I was enamored by it visually. And, but, like, I was just like, what, what, what is going on? And, and, and just, you know, uh, as odd as it was, it, it almost ended up highly relatable in a way that, like, he was really trying... I don't know. He... he he was struggling with a whole lot of things and it kept going back to this thing this like whether it was music or um his adventures at sea right where he he was finding some sort of catharsis through through these two things which i mean i don't fuck with the sea but uh I'm scared the ocean's a scary scary place but music is something that i that i definitely go to in in times of needs and i felt like he kept going back to something and, and like trying to find some peace and you know it's, it, it kind of took on like a noir thriller at times yeah going out and fighting um it, it I'm still working on that one I'm still digesting it and, it, and, and it's starting it's starting to it's starting to like even hit a little harder because it seemed like when he did go on that noir thriller type thing he was looking for one last go at it Right. And uh, there, there's, and I know you didn't see Shape of Water yet, and I won't go into it, but there's a part where uh, Richard Jenkins' character, I love Richard Jenkins so much, uh, he kind of has this one last shot. This, let's, you know, I love that thing. I've like, been just like, fuck it, I've made it, things haven't worked out, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try this. And, you know, it's, it's, I kind of like that gung ho attitude. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's the most surreal. In Philip K. Dick's works, they are sometimes that surreal. Right. That's what was kind of cool about this one. They are not always pointed. Right. They're not always like they, it's not always handed to you. Yeah. Though well, that's like the commuter. Not to jump ahead, yeah, but totally. The commuter was very much like that Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Which. Um, let me ask you one question because uh, before we move on, have you seen Brothers of the Head? No. Do you know? I've never even heard of it. All right. It was. Um, because the writer of this is Tony Grissoni. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm glad we brought him up. Not only did he do Brothers of the Head, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a mockumentary. It is, you would love the soundtrack. It has a dope, like, punk, uh, rocking soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's about these uh, two, two rock stars, this young kid who's kind of like uh, Siamese, Siamese, Siamese twins. Twin. Yeah. It's really, really cool. The soundtrack, In I this- was addicted to the soundtrack for like a year. It's like, the, ah. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome a music promoter plucks Siamese twins from obscurity and grooms them into a freakish rock and roll act yeah it's, it's I was honestly it was, I think I hit it, what year was it I think I was 2000, in college 2006 I was not in college uh, <laughs> 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 let's just say I was in college but soon after I was, like, I was blown away by it uh, do you know the writer of this is also um, the co-wrote Fair and Loathing in Las Vegas yeah Talk get out of here yeah. really yeah. wow and um Yes, we actually we've already started the groundwork of uh, planning a fair and loathing in Las Vegas yeah. uh, episode, uh, which is going to be off the hook. But Buscemi's awesome in it, and 
You know, there's a, I really, I, I, I'm going to go back to this time and time again. I'm going to figure this out. This is an enigma to me. I really, I'm really interested in this one. Um, but I know you're really interested in the next one. It was called The Hoodmaker. Um, it was, uh, uh, it's written by Matthew Graham, uh, directed by Julian Gerald. I don't know what they've done. Um, but, uh, the actors, um, you know, obviously we know Agent Ross. He's Rob Stark. Yep. And uh, she was great. Honor. I hadn't fun. seen her in anything else. Uh, I have because I have a daughter and I've seen the new Cinderella. They're both in the new Cinderella. Uh, uh, but she's, it's, her name's Holiday, Holiday Granger. But uh, what do you like about this, about this? I know you liked it. Um, I just thought it was a solid story that moved. Yeah. That uh, is a good uh, cop drama. Um, it was a good, uh, uh, the ideas of telepathy and the, the ideas of, uh, of a, of a story being set with the backdrop of like this world that's about to explode. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, there was a, there was a war of brewing between the normals and the, uh, tele, the, telepath, what the they teeps. call the, the teeps. That teeps. is a good call. Uh, I love the technology. And it was it didn't even seem like technology. It was the mask, the fabric, and 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 how normals could use it to block being um, red, and the teeps could use it to block uh, out all the noise around them. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I love their relationship too. Like it was like they had a strong, strong relationship that that kind of built, um, you know, what came next. You, I, I was buying into yeah shit that that did, did fall apart. Yeah, there was. Um... It was really cool when they when she would do the uh when she would read people's minds like when they uh when that guy when they had the when they interrogated that prisoner. Yeah. And uh she like breaks into his mind and yeah. it gets super dark. Totally. Super fast. fast, yeah. Uh I love the namesake, the hoodmaker. So he he uh they get when they meet him at the end, his uh he has a couple I've run him down. Yeah, yeah. He has a couple quotes. He he talks about uh you know how people get all pissed off about, like, the internet? And, like, you know, certain people, I, I see it as more exciting than, than problematic, even though I know there's problematic issues with it. But he was talking about the problematic issues with it. Um, with? Just, I don't know. I, just in the, the scheme of everything, just he's just like, there's a plug. Pull it up. Like, it's like, there's a point where he was, he was talking just about the, just, you know, that thing. Uh, he also has another quote that I love. It's, it's, it's uh, our, our minds are the only free independent states in existence. That's good. Yeah, go ahead, Fredmaker. Go ahead. Uh, he's played by Richard McCabe. I don't know what Richard McCabe has done, but um, I haven't seen him. I don't think, I, I don't know. Is that, you just pull him up? You're getting Const, Constant Gardner, Notting Hill, mm. Master and Commander. Yeah, what do you think? I actually liked. I saw Master and Commander in the theaters, and I, I was I was in a good, perfect mood for. Master so did I. I, I fell it. asleep, and not because oh, of the oh. movie, but because I was just at the time <laughs> I was like exhausted or something. Yeah. I have to give that one a go around. I was, I was ready, it, like seeing it in the theater with my dad. We both walked away, like it's it was it was tons of fun. Yeah, Peter Weir he did a Truman Show. Oh, is that he does that? He did Master and Commander? Yeah. yeah. Uh, episode six is safe and sound, and like I said, we're gonna be talking, or we have an interview with Kaylin uh, Egan, uh, writer and producer of this show. At the end, um, thank you again, Kaylin. I'm sure you're gonna be rocking this one, and thank you, Matt Ross, uh, another producer on the show who helped set that whole thing up. 
Uh, you're going to love that interview. Um, don't fast forward because we ain't done here yet, but it's awesome. Kalen, Kalen eats just his, his Philip K. Deck knowledge, his, his, just his insight into the, um, to the whole behind-the-scenes aspect of this whole series is so great. So you'll love that. Episode 7 uh, is called The Father Thing, and we're going to go ahead. And, I'll and, skip that one, man. Uh, and look, it's, 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 it's harmless. It, it's invasion of the body snatchers. It's invasion of the body snatchers, and I. So I binge. I, I I binge watched this because I was just so excited for it. And also, there's not only is it just what we just said there, it's also got that human is aspect where the the father comes back so uh, so different, and the mother react. There were so many familiar at, like attributes that just did not feel. That novel at the time, it's probably better than we're given credit for. But like, we're, like we're gonna keep it positive, and we keeping it positive. We'll go on to episode eight and called Impossible Planet, which me and Brian both loved. Yeah, this one was dope. I loved it because of two words: Geraldine Chaplin. The uh, uh, is she the woman? Yeah. She, it, she was good. If, so I asked you already to Google something tonight. If you want to see it. it uh, you know, I don't even know many of these things that she's in, but if you want to see an impressive Wikipedia page, look her up. She is just uh, 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 like she's in English, French, Spanish films. Like she's out there. Things I don't know, but like she was the fourth child of Charlie Chaplin. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. She's, I mean, it just, and she's been in the game. She's been doing crazy things. It's in, like I said, they're not things I'm very familiar with as a, as an American film consumer, but it's, 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 she's been doing it and she does it in this. She really, she was she, in Dr. Zhivago. The romantic, uh, like in me was absolutely taken by the end of this one. The, I, I just, this, this, this one was, I don't know. Uh, it was so mo- emotionally affecting to me. I really, I loved it. Um, oh, wait, where is it, hold on, the writer, he mostly, oh, okay, David Furr wrote and directed this, I'm a huge Night Manager fan, he he was involved in the writing of the Night Manager, yeah, you, Night, you enjoy the Night Manager, yeah, sorry about that, I like, space there, but like, yeah, I was, I just, yeah, I liked Night Manager, yeah, he was, he was involved in that, um, I, I heard they were doing a second season really? in that, it is, Which it's but, only based on based just on those. That, yeah, exactly. It was, what it, what was written was it was based. On. I could be wrong about that, but uh, I, I didn't know they were. But that that would be a, a situation like um, what's the show on HBO with uh, uh, Big Little Lies? Yeah, and they, they yeah. decided to kind of go off the reservation on that. Uh, I love that. Yeah, but uh, it just I thought why can't enough be enough sometimes? You know, I mean, money. I want <laughs> money. Yeah, I know the answer. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about the art, but like, uh, you know, I just like the night manager as just like a piece. I'm gonna go back to that. I can't wait to watch it again. Fiddle, Big Little Lies, as well. Big Little Lies is good. It was really good. They yeah, both were great. And, um, but I, I really, I, I don't have too, too much to say about Impossible Planet uh, besides just my love of her and the romantic story, but, like, I'm, I'm sure you have some takeaways. Um, yeah, I dug it. I mean, I like kind of uh, that Harold and Maude sort of love story. 
not that it was a love story, but it, it was. Is. It's romantic as fuck at the end. I don't know if it's romantic. At the end, I think it's at a, the end. Uh, yeah, it it does, but they I. Find that they, they, they bring. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's um, I think it's uh, it's two people that are looking for like true companionship, which he didn't have with his, which he didn't have with his uh his girlfriend. Um, and she just didn't have in general, she only had a, she only had her robot. Yeah. Um, so I think these two found each other. Um, I don't know why he, I was perplexed as to why he kind of like gave that, gave up his life at the end there. Cause that's essentially what they did, right? Yeah. They died. Because of true love, Brad. (laughs) Because of love. Uh, yeah, definitely died. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of these are so open ended in in a lot of ways too, and and I, I like that's why I was I was trying I'm, I'm stopping myself because I feel like I was pushing a viewpoint on you because it doesn't need to be that viewpoint. Right. I don't think they were saying one thing there. Um, it was nice to see Benedict Wong. He's uh, yeah, Doctor Strange. Strange. Yeah, uh, he's in. He's in. Watching Prometheus. He's in. Like, a, he's in Annihilation too. Easy. So you, yeah. you saw Annihilation. Let's talk yeah. about that for a minute without, like, I haven't seen it. You loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Annihilation was fucking dope. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's real, right? It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Alex Garland, I mean, it's his second film. Is it he did. Seven? He wrote, He well, he wrote and directed Ex Machina. He wrote and directed Annihilation. Yeah. And then before Ex Machina, he wrote something else that was also pretty badass. Uh, which was when did we, like what what level of uh... oh he wrote twenty eight days later okay so like when we said... and he wrote dread you wrote... dread is the shit I so many people I, have not seen I dread feel like me and you are like the God, biggest promoters no one has seen and dread time around and like we'll bring up sci fi will come up and we'll be like yeah and dread and we'll say it like kind of quietly dude so many people... people will be like what judge dread Tre- like no no, no, no dread no, dread um. I, 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 I have a hard time balancing right now the, the line between like his film. So I just wrote an article about uh, Wind River, um, which is Taylor Sheridan's. And I'm like, I want to go ahead and say it's Taylor Sheridan's third film. Mm. But like, it's like, it's like his, he's directed another film, but it's like his first like known directed one. But like, right. why can I call it his third film? Because like, I mean, Mm-mm. he wrote, <laughs> I can't, right? Nah, if he didn't direct it, if he didn't direct it, no. It's his third written film. It's yeah. his third film. Oh man, technicality. Yeah, but uh, but Annihilation, I was impressed. Yeah, I don't think everyone's gonna like it. It's definitely what this for the sci-fi. I mean, this it's audience a, it, right here for this. No, no, I th- I mean whatever this audience is it's like a sci-fi audience. Yeah, yeah I think like they would. I don't know. I wouldn't. That's what we do it here. I mean, like you're you're gonna you know these people might not not these people. Sorry, people. Uh, uh, you know, people who are listening to this, I'm not sure, are listening to the Phantom Threat episode, you know? Right. As we offer a little, we're going to bounce around. Right. We're genre specific, but you don't think it's for everyone? Um, no, no, not at all. Uh, that's not a bad thing. No. I, it's a, uh, it's super tripped out. Uh, they deal with some like weird conceptual, uh, weird concepts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's really, and it's kind of, I, I'm not, I'm still not exactly sure kind of what happened yeah. at the end. 
Uh, I'd like to delve into that in a, yeah. in a future podcast, but uh, it is really good, and it's uh, Reddit. huh? Reddit. Do, do I don't I don't so fu- do you, do, you, do you need that? I don't I don't, I don't fuck with do. too much Reddit now. Uh, well, yeah, I mean I don't either, but like I de- I'll definitely come home from a film, and like when I'm confused, I will read. I mean I I will keep. I'm not trying to like influence my own ideas. Oh no no! I, I do want to figure out what people are thinking. Right. Um. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, I, the person I saw it with, we went for a beer afterwards and, like, discussed it and, like, yeah. broke it down. But um, it... uh it, that it, Rourke? Huh? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. um, I mentioned Rourke because he's... he's we, have a, we have a sci-fi uh, Ace of Barsley. We're going to pull into some shows. It's... it's uh, it, 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 You'll hear from him soon, yeah. for sure. Um, we're, well, let's wait on that Annihilation talk. Right. Because I, I want to do one. I mean, we're not promising anything, but I would like to, I would like to uh, talk about that. Episode 9 was called The Commuter, uh, written by Jack Thor and directed by Tom Harper. Tom Harper's done tons of uh, uh, Peaky Blinders. Not tons of, uh, but some. Um, I, 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 I thought this was really cool. I, the first time I watched it, I wasn't blown away. I, like I, th- I was telling you earlier, I watched it the other night um, as I was all sleepy, and I was just like really... Something about the subtleness of the whole thing and the question of, uh, you know, what if you know things would end badly for your child? What would, I mean, what would you sacrifice was, was kind of like kept coming up. And I don't know. It was, it's, what did you think? Um, it's, obviously it's, it's a little too, I don't know, man. I, like, I didn't get, he's going to this town. Mm. Is this town in his, uh, in his head? Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. I, I don't know exactly where he was. Right. So this, Were other people experiencing this? Or was he the only one experiencing this? I think some people out there who know more than us need to, need to hit us up on the email here. Because this one, just like the Buscemi episode, um, as much as I read about it, as much as I like think about it, I really haven't nailed it down. So the commuter is something that... Uh, that that I don't know, I but I, there's something about the 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 pacing of it. it. I just I I I definitely enjoyed it. The actor Timothy Spall was awesome. In the Last Samurai, he's in the Last Samurai. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah he was good. I mean, yeah. it's well done. I just don't. Exactly I don't. Well done. I'm just saying from a story point of view. Yeah. I don't yeah, really. That's what we're talking I, about, I don't know exactly what was going on. Yeah. Uh, hey, so for episode nine, we, we don't have much insight for you. Sorry about that. The commuter episode 10, <laughs> <laughs> it's called kill all others. It was actually based on a story, um, called the hanging stranger. I meant to explain to you, uh, each name that the story is based on, but, uh, I, I slacked on that throughout, but I think they should have kept the name, the hanging stranger. I really like yeah. the name, uh, as opposed to kill all others, the hanging stranger. It was written, um, oh, well, when I say written, they're all written by Philip K. Dick, of course. But, um, you know. The screenplay. The screenplay, of course. Uh, which, D. Reese, it's, it's Mudbound. And um, uh, so uh, Mel Rodriguez was the heavyset gentleman that we've seen. What I liked is I remember the moment, um, the woman the kind of running for the leader. I was like, who is that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, from, yeah. Yeah, yeah, up in the air or something. Up like, in the uh, air, yeah. From, from Mejia? The, uh... Is that right? Uh, I'm not gonna, it's I'm gonna not gonna run, attempt it. Theme. But oh, yeah, Departed. Yeah, so, um, 
I, you know what, initially, and I think I, th I can see from your face, like, it's like, initially I wasn't like blown away, but I loved what I was thinking about after this one. There was a lot, because like, you know, mob mentality came up, there's like, populism's a big deal. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of thoughts about populism, and, and, and you can't think about our own fat Nixon in this, in this, you know, thing of like... The whole thing. I, I heard what I, was I going heard on. Nixon. What was going I heard, on? I heard, uh, Bill Maher call uh, Trump fat, fat Nixon. And I, oh really? I, I love it. But what was asking? What was going on when the train stops? Oh, but yeah, yeah. Well, I think they're just they're, they're trying to frame him in ways. Like, aren't they trying to fuck with him? Like, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of the series, there was a lot of things where I'm like, I don't, I There's didn't get what happened. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very Kafka esque. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I think. I mean, it's it's like I said earlier, it's not pointed. It's not like there's a lot of uh, hold down. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's there there is like themes about like racism and, and not just like even color color here but just like like it, you know i don't know it this there were themes that really could be taken away from this and like that that, that were pointed it's, it seemed very timely i guess is what i'm saying mm. yeah for yeah. sure it was kind of like uh i guess to bring it full circle and compare it to black mirror it was kind of like the uh the waldo moment yeah yeah um yeah, where a can't where the society lets a candidate oh. run away with itself. Well, yeah, well, I guess I was I was about to say yeah, I was I lost my my thought there, but like you know, certain things are given given authenticity when given a platform. Like I think what is kind of we're seeing a lot of today is racism could be given a platform, given given like a heightened experience when given a platform, and so like a lot of things that we were seeing in there when, when they were, they were giving a right for people to treat people a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that, that's an intense thing to think about. So what I can say best about this episode, some of the look I was, I knew I was going to mention this earlier was some of the look reminded me of total recall, like in, uh, in the trains and stuff, mm -hmm. and, you know, that, but like some of these things really resonated with me after the fact. And I, I thought that was cool. And, and, uh, I'm actually, I am going to, like I, like I am, I'm going to do it with the commuter um, in Buscemi's episode. I, I, I'm excited to revisit this one. I'm going to give it some time. And, you know, obviously, everyone listening, you can tell we're still working through some of this. And, and I think that's a credit to the show. Mm -hmm. You know, it shows, it shows us there's a, there's a lot to chew on. And I think overall to kind of, you know. Are they doing a, se a season two? It, it's not in stone yet, but I want more. Right. There's 36 novels, 121 short stories of his. I need a second season. I really hope so. And that's, I mean, I, I guess, I guess that's why we're here pushing, pushing it, talking about it. Um, and, uh, and you know, I hope, I hope this has led people to it. And, and, and you know, I, I just want more. Right. I want more of this. So, um, our email to tell us how we choked on three of these, three of these ten episodes, big time, and. Maybe even tell us how we uh, really like messed up bouncing over the the was it the father figure or was it what's it called I have it written down over here the uh, the, the father, father thing, thing. Uh, tell 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 us what we did wrong there I mean tell us what's good about that but we're at uh, welcome to the party pal podcast at gmail.com. Twitter at to the party pal Instagram welcome to the party pal podcast um, we're gonna jump into this interview. 
with Kaylin Egan. Thanks again, Kaylin. You're gonna love this. This is really, really dope. Uh, thank you all for joining the party. So welcome to the podcast, Kaylin. Uh, I truly, thank you. I truly appreciate you taking the time. Uh, congratulations on Electric Dreams. It's it's truly excellent. Thanks so much for saying that. Yeah, no, we're we're pretty thrilled about it. It's it's um it's been kind of a, a long journey to get this one. Well, any project that we do is a long journey, but this one in particular, you know, I think that it even predates me. I've been with this company, Electric Shepherd Productions, mm-hmm. for over ten years, and this is we're trying to get this show made even before that. Oh wow! Oh my goodness, we're talking over a decade. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, I mean, it was the first inkling of an anthology show. It goes back that far yeah. uh, as far as turning Philip Kiddick's short fiction into let's, a um, Let's start there with Electric Shepherd Productions. I'm, I'm so curious kind of, you know, sounds like it predates you, but I'm, I'm, I'm so curious how ESP uh, became kind of the torchbearer uh, for the ap- adaptations of, of Philip K. Dick's library. That's, that's a big deal, and um, that's, I mean, it's... Really, sure. it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, yeah. It just it it. I mean, it predates me dramatically in yeah. the sense that um, you know his work is, is has been around since the fifties. But uh, his daughter Issa Hackett basically um, was invited into the process of a scanner darkly is what happened, and yeah. she became close with the producer Tommy Pallotta mm-hmm. and and the director Richard Linklater, <laughs> and sort of found in that opportunity. Um, a role for herself to kind of curate or shepherd this material. They were very, they really wanted her participation. And, you know, around that time, um, there had been some obviously incredible, incredible Philip K. Dick adaptations, yeah. but there had also been a couple that were like sort of studio-y that kind mm-hmm. of squandered what she felt was the potential yeah. of the material. Mm-hmm. And she thought, well, rather than stick to that model where the the studios come with however many millions of dollars and yeah. you say goodbye and you hope for a good movie, she yeah. thought, well, maybe there's a role to, to see this stuff through. Yeah. Um, in a more personal way, and so then she started up Electric Shepherd, uh, and it, and I came on not not terribly long after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic! So uh, I definitely want to get into that a little more as we move through because I'm I saw some inklings of um, of of things that you might you guys might be adaptating that um, that I'm pretty excited about. But um, oh, I fr- you froze. Sorry. Oh, did freeze? Uh, I was going to say we'll get yeah, into that a, a little bit more. Um, uh, as there's some things that are, I, I believe you guys are adaptating that I read about that I'm, I'm very curious about asking. But um, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'll, I'll give you as much skinny as I can. As you can, exactly. But uh, per, I'm, I'm curious about uh, just your personal involvement in, in the catalog and. and uh, you know, I know a lot of his work has inspired me and, and affected me throughout the years. Have you been influenced by his work? Um, you know, prior well, to this, yeah, he's my he's my favorite writer, and yeah, he was okay. before before I met Issa, before I knew anything about this. And you know, I'd read the story. Is I guess it's sort of funny, maybe. Um, yeah. I I uh, uh, had read. I loved Blade Runner, and I'd read Do Android's Dream, mm-hmm. and I'd read yep. maybe Flow My Tears or something, another book yeah. by him. Yep, yep. and then. Which was it was full of my tears because then Waking Life came out okay. and there's this amazing speech that Richard Linklater actually gives about Philip K. Dick in that movie, and I had read I Full of My Tears that, yeah. and so and so he's referencing this essay which refers back to to Flow My Tears and all this cool stuff and so I got really more into it and I wanted mm-hmm. to read more about who Philip K. Dick was mm-hmm. and read more of the material mm-hmm. and then obviously um, uh, well and then then I moved to L. A. and I was working in some talent office uh at this company anonymous content yep which this all circles back absolutely uh, and this guy this literary manager came up into the talent office he said he was looking for an assistant and he's like i uh, i represent he's sort of a um uh, uh 
quirky guy. He's mm-hmm. really, really great guy. But he represented only three authors, and they were Philip K. Dick, mm-hmm. uh, Elmore Leonard, and mm-hmm. Roald Dahl. Okay. And I was like, oh, well, wow. I know everything those guys ever wrote, yeah, yeah, ever. Totally. And so, like, I would like to be your assistant. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah, definitely. And he was like, okay, you got the job. Yeah. And uh, and then the guy I was taking over with mm-hmm. um, was uh, Travis Santel. So he was the assistant before me, and we became writing partners. I was going to say, that's the, the episode you wrote was with Travis, right? Yeah, so okay, we then. met. So this all happened in, like, this sort of small little incubator at Anonymous Content where I became part of the Philip K. Dick estate through wow. this manager, uh, met my writing partner. And uh, and started down this long, long road, which would ultimately, in some ways, lead to Electric Dreams. Yeah, how serendipitous is that? I mean, an author that uh, you love so much, and kind of your worlds uh, just mixed like that. And it, I mean, not to be this guy, but it's very, <laughs> it's very Philip K. Dick. People think of yeah. him as a cynic, but not, not really. He's sort of, he's sort of into these, these kind of. You know what is time? What is reality? Absolutely, you know, alternate all, realities. There's, all there's a mechanism that. to this. Yeah. Absolutely, and it's a, it's a lot of fun to be a have your favorite author be a guy who's wrote I think like thirty six books and a hundred and twenty <laughs> short stories or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah, there's plenty. No plenty shortage material. Uh, let's do elect. Let's let's just get into electric dreams. Um, and I, I I do want to get into the episode uh, you wrote with Travis, safe and sound. And there's a lot of talked about there, but um. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit on the entire project coming together. And you did reference that it did take some time, and but it just seems like there's this remarkable group of people. I mean, it's a it's 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 a whole lot of talent in front of and behind the camera. And I'm just yeah. curious if you had any you know things you could tell us about that. At well, all. I could tell you some of the like earliest origins. Of yeah, this yeah, that'd be cool. So that'd be cool. We were trying to do they were they not not me yet, but yeah. they were trying to do an anthology series way before. There was a re-vogue for anthology series. Yeah. I mean, it was like so long ago. It was, it was years before Black Mirror. Yeah. And every every time they they came out, uh, pitched the project, people were like, "Well, we don't make those. They don't yeah, make those, any financial those sense. Don't they, work. They, yeah. yeah, they're not cool. They're not part of what this thing, this mm-hmm. new television thing. Anthologies don't seem to have a role. Yeah. And so they were sort of the door was shut over and over again. They tried to um, work in kind of an over overall concept, mm-hmm. like it would be like, okay, aliens are. Are, are doing an archaeological dig and every one of these episodes or stories is going to be part of what they discovered. So, like, they were looking for, you know, big overall... Um, Something, uh, a large arc or large, large exactly, arc. like yeah. organizing principles of some kind. Yeah. None of it worked. And so mm-hmm. then we started, you know, we I, I joined and we started working on other things like Man in the High Castle yeah. and, and, and other films and other TV series development. And this just kind of rolled back around. And when we were originally talking about it as an anthology, it was at anonymous. It was oh. still at, it was mm-hmm. originally at anonymous content. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we've had projects there. Uh, we've developed things with them. They're sort of close friends of ours. We, we kind of know those managers and producers mm-hmm. over there very well. Mm-hmm. And so finally this kind of rolled back around. We were in a first look deal at anonymous at the time. Yeah. And they brought in one of, uh, one of the managers there, David Kanner, who became a producer on the show, mm-hmm. brought in a guy named Michael Dinner. And we started investigating something just to do as a series. And the more stories we gave him, the more he was like, I would like to do all of these. These are amazing. And I, I don't necessarily see one series here. I see uh, – well, I do, I do see one series, but not one story. Yeah. I see you know, 10, 20, 50 stories mm-hmm. here um, to turn into a show. And by then uh, – this was maybe four years ago – Anthologies were becoming yeah. almost viable again, a little, and, and now they're completely in vogue, which is which is. And now every vogue. channel seems to have their own anthology. Yeah, so, yeah it's like a flagship or, yep. or a marker of kind of being a contemporary channel. Mm-hmm. That's remarkable. It's amazing how that swung around at that time, and and it's I mean it's a fun way to be able to explore so many different topics and bring so many different stories to life. 
Well, that's the way, you know, I, I can tell you for ESP, Electric Shepherd, the way that we run it, and certainly the way Issa, uh, her philosophy when it comes to adapting stuff mm-hmm. is to find anybody who loves the material and expresses a passion for it and an understanding of it. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, fidelity is really the last thing on her mind. Mm-hmm. She really has no... Um, uh, she doesn't put much stock in being literal to the material. And mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick's material is kind of perfect for that because yeah. sometimes his stories will stop midstream. He'll just change topics completely. Yeah. Like yeah. it's all kind of uh, seed material for for somebody to expand their own thought or yeah. to, to, to take this into a new philosophical direction. Definitely. So the anthology was kind of the best possible – um, expression of that because mm-hmm. we could go to 10 people, 20 people, whatever, mm-hmm. and say, you know, find something that means something to you, that you love, yeah. turn it into something that expresses yourself, that really that speaks to who you are, what you believe, um, and treat Philip Kiddick basically as this incredible collaborator who yeah. just gave you the best idea you've ever heard. You know, yeah. like that's, that's to me like the opportunity when you're working with Philip Kiddick. Yeah. It's like he's a genius and he has the best ideas. So, yeah. you know, that starting there... I, I hope that we we could make a pretty interesting anthology show. Yeah, and I mean, it paid art. You definitely did. And, well, that's one of the things that I was thinking about when I was thinking about the uh, the episode that you were involved with writing with Travis. It's, it's entitled Safe and Sound. It's the sixth episode of the anthology, and it's based on a short story called Foster, You're Dead. The story was written in 1955, yeah. and it centered around uh, bomb shelters and, and Cold War anxiety and... and you know, why the ideas of, like, a government using fear to, uh, you know, enact legis- enact legislation or to sell an idea, while that rang true in both what he was doing and what you ended up doing, uh, you did have to, I mean, you did not have to get the opportunity to modernize it and actually make a lot of social commentary that's more relevant today. Um, how was that process? What, what were you thinking as you were, you were bringing it to life in this day and age? Um, well, you know, it's funny. It, the The contemporary thing um, came far down the the, the line for okay. us. I mean, it, it was we we liked. I, I loved the story as it was because I thought it was a story about um, a, a kid and his, his dad, or oh, yeah. a parent, yeah. a child parent relationship, mm-hmm. basically, um, and the. Uh, divide between generations as the world moves forward technologically or however mm-hmm. these generations and and you know one kid just wants to fit in he just wants to participate yeah. in that world and the father sees that participation as something inherently if not evil then at least um, uh, less than human you know yeah. that this is the, that, that you're losing something by by participating in the rat race of capitalism mm-hmm. or, or consumerism or whatever it is and this is causing a huge rift in their relationship yeah. and so Starting there, I thought, well, that's a story I would like to tell a story about because mm-hmm. that seems evergreen. That, that yeah. will be contemporary forever. And yeah, I have a 14-year-old stepdaughter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who I saw <laughs> just entering into the high school phase. Oh, wow. Now I see where you're and going with this. Yeah, It was really hardcore for yep, her. Right. <laughs> like it was rocky and it yep. was tough and it's a crazy transition. It's a battlefield. Make. Yeah. It's a battlefield. And <laughs> she was, I, I think it's okay. I don't think she would mind me saying this. Yep. Um, she'll, she'll never listen to this. Yeah, so yeah, we're good. Uh, we're good she was experiencing, she was experiencing panic attacks. Oh my goodness. And so yep. she went to, so, and so this was something that we were sort of trying to walk her through and help mm-hmm. her with. And, and, uh, they've since subsided, but I thought, wow, you know, this feeling of anxiety that a, a kid has as they enter into a more complex, Social world, adult world, yeah. you know, um, this all feels like part of the same story. And it's something that I, I thought we might be 
uh, able to tell based on our proximity. Travis uh, similarly has an 18-year-old sister. Okay. And so we were both sort of saying, like, you know, this experience that that teenagers and girls have as they enter from one phase to another. And and I was watching, you know, my stepdaughter fight with her mother. Yeah, I was was just going to ask because, I mean, not only now I'm fully understanding why you chose the uh, the daughter role, but it switched from father son to mother daughter. Yeah. And that was I mean, I it's funny. I I'm met my stepdaughter when she was seven Mm -hmm. and uh, the dynamic that she had with her mother who was a single mom um, and had been her essentially her entire life as far as uh, primary parenting um, was just a relationship I I was fascinated by and loved Mm -hmm. and really uh, loved and and they they don't have the same relationship as Foster and her mother in the story at all I mean they're not you know she's not a a, it's not a mirror my my wife is not a, a, a political crusader, yeah, <laughs> you know, who's, yeah. who's trying to, uh, right the wrongs of the world. Definitely. But, um, but of, of course, any teenager and their mother, especially a girl and her mother have, uh, a, a fascinating kind of love, hate, embarrassment, yeah. admiration, yeah. adoration relationship mm-hmm. that I thought would be cool to play with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Explore and, and get uh, to know a little bit. It's not something that, you know, we don't have a, yeah, a full understanding of, and it's, it's good to dissect and help yeah, come to an yeah, understanding it, in some way. Exactly, and yeah. it, it just felt so sad to me. The idea of, uh, you know, cultural forces crowbarring between yeah. somebody who believes something so deeply as the mother in the story does, as the father in the original story does, yeah. and the kid who just needs to survive. Totally. They just, just have to live in this trying, world. Just trying to fit into this new place. And, and uh, the mother's passion, more tyranny, was fantastic. Uh, oh, she, my God. Her, we pa- got so her passion lucky. just... Uh, just, she, I mean, she's the fair. She blew me away. The whole thing, but she, uh, her passion definitely helped build this and, and kind of helped bring the story to life of how intense the divide was and and really what was going on. And uh, you know, it's hard for me not to think about the relevance today in that way with an administration because it's kind of they were in some way immigrants to this new place coming from just what these bubble towns and even though it seemed like the same country, but it is like it's. You know, yeah. it's it's you know with an administration now that's painting all immigrants as threats in some ways. I was curious if if were you in some ways clapping back, so to speak, at some of the rhetoric and actions of uh, the current administration. Is this a way to? Yeah, well, we yes, I mean, we we started writing it while the the election was heating up, okay. basically, yep. and so as soon as that as as that got closer and closer, and then as Trump was elected, we were sort of um, alarmed by the re-relevance. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned that the original story, it's about a, it, the original story is about a, a boy whose father will not buy him the latest bomb shelter. Yeah. So this is sort of steeped in Cold War anxiety. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, Trump's tweeting at North Korea, daring them to bomb us, and we were like, we should have just left this shit. Yeah, that's, it came, like, it came what's back, the difference? It came back full circle on us, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so like that stuff, you know, became really, it started to assert itself yeah. and become real. And, and you know, I, I would say that I think Travis would agree with me. Every decision we made was practical from a story point of view, you know, where we thought, well, we want to illustrate a cultural divide ideologically mm-hmm. um, uh, in terms of technology and encroachment of privacy versus, you know, freedom of thought and independence. And so let's literally drive a, a wall between two sides of the country. Yeah. Now that, that to us was not instinctively about immigration or, mm-hmm. or about, or about making it about two different countries. That was like, what if this ideological split was, was literalized? Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and so then when she crosses over, it just you know that became a natural part of how you tell that story. Yeah, true. Um, but it does well, resonate. You can't deny that it was all sort of resonating with something uh, that was really happening. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and in two ways, in two facets, both the immigration thing and just the current political divide in the country, because it's all about political divide and and control. Right. Uh, quick kind of question aside, how is it working with? Um, Alan Taylor, he's a, he's a, I mean, this, he's, he had the first episode of Mad Men, he, I mean, I don't know if you're, oh my a, god, a guy. He's a cra- he I, did I Beyond really, the Wall, he did Beyond the Wall, the Game of Thrones. I told him, uh, which is true, when yeah. we, when we started, when we met and we started working together, I own, I own more hours of Alan Taylor content <laughs> than like Scorsese, like yeah. in my collection, you know, cause I have, you know, he, he started his career on Homicide, yeah. which was like my favorite show ever. Yeah. He, he did the, one of the best and most critical episodes of, of Deadwood and, yeah. and a bunch of, like he's, he's six he's feet under ones. There's boardwalk empires, I believe. Oh my, and all these Sopranos episodes. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. his, his career is totally stunning. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, we were really lucky to get him. And, and the, the way we got him, I think, um, is he also has teenage daughters. And okay. so he's, he started to see this as a way to explore the same things that we were looking at. And that's what we really connected on. And, and again, oh, it's so funny because what feels like, I think in the end, what feels like a, a technological episode or sort of a technophobic yeah. or, you know, almost Black Mirror-esque look yeah. at a piece of technology really was not the, the chief on our minds. Yeah. That was that was a vehicle was, to tell the tool. story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was something else going on that, that I found very curious um, and related to, to something kind of not with that technology or even what I was talking about with the... Um, social commentary related to you know bigger divides but uh um they there was this thing where teenagers were expected in in the new society where she moves to were expected to exchange sex or it maybe just hooking up or favors yeah. for uh, for favors or for help it was just something that was a natural thing and i was curious what you were trying to say or with that aspect of the story well again well we thought well Two things. One is we thought it would be cool if we got rid of the idea of social conservatism and that that oh. was just not an issue. Yeah, yeah, and totally. So both sides are are pretty freewheeling as far as that goes. Yeah. I mean, you know, on the on the West, we we imagined it was a set of basically hippie communes yeah. where yeah, you could tell by the clothes that she she arrived in and all that. Exactly. Yeah. It's all like the West Coast is spread across the West side of the country, and the mm-hmm. East Coast, in some ways, is spread across the East Coast. Yeah. Um, and uh, but the other thing, more emotionally, was. We thought, well, what's, the, what's the, how many elements can we put in the nightmare scenario of going to a new school? <laughs> okay, yeah, being uncool. Yeah, and so like it feels like everybody's having sex at our school. Everybody is literally having sex, yeah. and they're all talking about it, and they're encouraging it, yeah. and it's freaking you out. And so totally. we again looking at it from the point of view of a girl, a teenage girl who's coming into a new scenario. We thought, what would be the most intimidating set of factors totally. to suddenly force into her face to, to, to freak her out on some level, yeah. to make her anxious. Just put more on her. But that's, I mean, that I guess also helped set up the, uh, there was a point in like the second half of the episode where things, uh, things turn when she's being manipulated by the, uh, the earbud or uh, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the air gel, I think in this case, it turns into a bit of a, a psychological thriller in some ways. I mean, it's really intense to watch her kind of break down and you, you know, it, it's, you do get to a point where you can understand how she does something as intense as as uh, an attempted uh, terrorist attack, and and so yeah. that must have been pretty wild to write to get to that breaking point or that you know turning well, point. Well, th- that's you know t- that was the really the really joyful thing about, and I think is the joyful thing about an anthology mm-hmm. is it's a weird. 
that's a weird it's a weird idea to tell a story I think in my opinion yeah. it's a weird idea to tell a story about teenage social anxiety that becomes about cultural paranoia mm-hmm. or social paranoia story mm-hmm. and they're emotionally kind of identifiable like they, to us they sort of flow together as an idea but it's not something that you would traditionally make a film about it's yeah. just too idiosyncratic mm-hmm. um, and it's a little too experimental I think in some ways for a full length feature yeah. and a series would be would be way too much to, yeah. to explore you'd have to sort of make it much the themes much broader yeah. but on the emotional spectrum, we thought it would be cool to match those two things together and to turn a, a anxious teenage story into a into a you know a technological or social paranoia story. And because we could see the descent when we looked at what could happen to a character like that, it started to make sense. She's already off balance coming into mm-hmm. a scenario like yep. this. Already feels like an outsider, vulnerable, and suddenly there's somebody who's saying, not only. Are you vulnerable? You don't know anything about this world, yeah. and you need someone to help you through it. Definitely. And that, to us, felt like a great hook for manipulation. Totally. Uh, you know, somebody saying, I know how the rules are. Mm-hmm. I know how the world works. You're at the fulcrum of something, and you better do what I say or else we're all fucked. Yep. You know? yep. um, and uh, I thought that – so that's that's kind of how we, we found ourselves there. And then it was like irresistible to do a Philippidic story um, about anything and not include – Paranoia yeah, and not absolutely. make it about kind of a government encroachment. Yeah. And you know, I, I, there's the one thing that I've noticed about one thing I've noticed about the response to the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope this doesn't sound too defensive or like no, uh, uh, like I'm trying to I don't know tell people what to think or whatever. Yeah, but please. we never thought of the ending, uh, and I won't say anything about it in case people want to experience it this way, okay. but we never thought of it as a twist. It's a sad inevitability. Mm-hmm. It's of, of course that's what's happening. Yeah. You know, we've been screaming about it the entire episode. Well, they, there's a disconnect between the child and the parents, so yep. she couldn't hear it. Definitely. But. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I, I was going to, I'll, I'll try to speak in very general terms about that. And But uh, there's a point where it, it's, you know, it, you kind of pulled back the curtain on the deceit in that final um, kind of act of the thing right. where you're kind of showing exactly what happened. And it, I, I don't think it was a twist at all. It actually could have been assumed. But I, I, I kind of appreciated the decision to – hold on. It looks like it's – can you hear me still? Yeah, yeah, I still got you. Oh, good, good. We don't need to see each other. Um, <laughs> where, where, where you could uh, – where you pulled back the curtain and you can kind of see uh, – you know, you, you you kind of walk through the deceit, oh. and I thought that now was, I lost you. Okay, I still got you, but I'll okay. Now you're back. Okay, so you kind of you actually uh, walk walk through the deceit and actually show the other side of the manipulation, yeah. which I thought was a pretty uh, you know it was it was a it was a you know choice that the, the you know, choice that was made to really show the evil that was at play. Was that kind yeah. of where you're coming from? Well, we we had we had that came late. Okay, you know, and we, we we added that sort of at some encouragement from um, the the network and studio. But 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 I agree with you. I I I, I just don't want. I I I hope that it's not misread as us acting like we're smarter than the audience. Like like not at all. It's in fact the way that we originally intended it was. Those epi- those little episodic moments or those scenes would come interspersed in the credits. Yeah. Oh, so we cool. We thought they would start by saying, you know, directed by whatever 
produced by whatever, and those yeah. would come in. And we, I just stole that uh, directly from this movie called Wild Things, mm-hmm. where they, you know what happened, and yet there's sort of a fun feeling of re-walking through the plot. On the other side. The, on the other side. Yep. And so it was just kind of a, a thing that sort of said, you know, these are the faces, these are the people, this is how they manipulated her. Um, but again, it's, it's to me, it's, a, it's aiding, I was hoping that it would aid the sadness and kind of crushing feeling um, Absolutely. as opposed to a, a I think it, prestige I think, reveal, I, you know? Yeah, I think I think it definitely did. It definitely made you, you know, when it, it just, it, the viciousness of, of the manipulation just became so apparent that I, I was, yeah. you know, at first, at first I didn't even, you know, I, I wasn't watching the time or anything. I thought the, the episode was over and just all that would be assumed. And so I was taken back at first, but then when it kind of all came into play, it washed over me in, in a cool way. So... Uh, I don't think there's yeah. any reason to be defensive at all. I think okay, cool. it, it, it could have worked more. Um, the uh, you know what was really cool for me is is, is kind of getting to envision um, uh, uh, what a sky full of drones would, could potentially look like. You did a great job with that. Things flying around, and also what communication devices and learning tools such as the uh, Dex, which was also used for yeah. control, manipulation, and tracking, but. Uh, it was fun to 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 see, you know, it's always fun, I'm a sci-fi nerd, to see that stuff kind of come to life. But I was wondering how fun it was for you to envision the future of technology and, and how it could be used in both a positive and negative way. Yeah, well, we thought it all, that started with a feeling of, like, what would be beautiful? What yeah. would be, you know, futuristically beautiful? And, and these the, the colored streaks in the sky we thought would be sort of irresistible to the character. Mm-hmm. And just this gorgeous sort of alive, you know, colorful place that she, she would be excited to, to get into yeah. until she started to be, become intimidated by it. But, you know, all of that, the drone stuff actually, again, started from the idea that, we just thought it would be powerful uh, as we were mapping out the story to end. It came from that final image where they spell out, they spell something out in the sky. Yeah. And we thought that was a, a unique and weird image to, to build to. Yeah. Um, and oh, so cool. therefore you, you backtrack all this stuff, you know, but. No, that was awesome. And that's, I mean, one of the fun things that these anthologies do just, they, they just, there's so many different ways uh, that, where, where this technology can go and it's it's just fun to envision them all um yeah and we and we really it, to, to say again i know that i'm repeating myself but it, no, it felt important to us that it that the the future world be appealing especially to teenagers yeah. like that this would be kind of a utopia a utopic dystopia that yeah. you know reveals itself to be corrupt um but on the surface it's pretty awesome like we wanted it to feel pretty awesome yeah no and then that nailed it too there's there's it's cool, man. There was the, it was there's great there's family bond things to think about. There's a lot of different social commentary that 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 really it is is intense to delve into. It's it's it, there's I mean that's that's why I was able to ask so many questions on that that are about different topics about this because there there is a lot going on and 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 congrats on that. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, th- well, thanks a lot. And you know, I really feel that you know, having been, I'm also a producer on the series, yep. and so I got to see this process in every different writers and directors. Um, uh, experience and you know they were all isolated there, there was no room there was no cross-pollination there was no cross-conversation there yeah. was just the producers and then and our showrunner Michael Dinner kind of controlling traffic but the, that was it I mean they all the, these are these are little movies they really are yeah. they're, they they're like everybody that. brought a very personal take to their story to their technology to their world building to their themes and so my our, our hope our collective hope is that this would be this kind of extraordinary 
collection of interpretation of what Philip K. Dick yeah. can be. And sometimes that's dark and sometimes that's pot light and emotional. And, you know, that's the, I, I, it's a total grab bag that way. Um, but I, I can guarantee having been in it, that everyone was very, very personally loved yeah. and, and deep felt. So that's amazing. What has Michael worked on? You mentioned the showrunner. Uh, oh man. Talk about a long career. He, him he as well? started. Yeah. He, he, I think his first TV thing was like the wonder years. Oh my goodness. Um, and so he, and and before that, amazingly, I don't, I don't know how much people like to talk about, or how much he wants to talk about this, but but I think it's cool. He was like a, a singer songwriter in the seventies in L.A. So he was part of the That's like super cool. He should talk yeah, about he was it all like the part time. Of this, like I know he was like part of this Warren Zevon, you know. Uh, Judy Sill, like all the, like that sort of, you know, Eagle, Glenn Frey stuff. Like he was into that scene and he was a part of it. And you can find his records. I found one of his records at a, at a record store oh, in they? LA. They're fine. They're great. They're that's little awesome. folky. They're, they're folk, 70s folk rock music, man. Like that's what they are. And so anyway, so, so then he did what he moved to Wonder Years in television. Uh, and then he, he most recently, I think, or most famously did Justified. He, he yep. worked on, directed a ton of Justified. And now he's doing Sneaky Pete. At Amazon, also with uh, with Brian. Oh yeah, Cranston. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Brian's one, and also Ronald D. Moore is one. He, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Battlestar Galactica fan, so I was fun. I loved seeing him in the mix as well. Yeah, and that was all Michael. You know, he had this again from the very beginning. He had this idea, in some ways, that like the more collaborators on this, the better, because yeah. it would give every individual episode its own such a feeling. unique feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of the fact that. Uh, there is so much of um, Philip K. Dick's work out there to uh, to get into. I, I, I was curious if um, Electric Shepherd Productions has anything else in the works, or uh, what? My, I'd like to go ahead and lobby yeah. on, on on behalf of myself and many people in my world for uh, uh, an adaptation of Ubik. One yeah, of yeah, yeah. That, that, we, would, uh, that would be my own to me. It's, it's 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 top of the list, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, it needs we, to be. It really needs yeah. to be. We have an awesome, what I think is an awesome draft of a script uh-huh. um, written by this guy, Jeff Vintar, okay. who's a total brilliant screenwriter, awesome. um, and who we've pulled into season two of, high, of uh, Electric Dreams, if, we, if we're lucky enough to get a season oh, two. Please. Um, that, that script is terrific mm-hmm. as a feature, and we're, you know, the, the funny thing about movies, just in general, is they don't really, they're not really making the kind of movies that we would need them to make yeah, yeah. <laughs> in order to do Philip K. Dick movies yeah, anymore. I mean, they, they'll, they'll, again, they'll make a tentpole, but something like even Scanner, I think we would have a very, very, it was yeah, hard to make back now. then. And mm-hmm. Now it would be next to impossible. There's no, that was Warner independent and there's no independent studio arms anymore. Yeah, um, true. And so it's all kind of branded. It's all kind of massive or it's tiny and something like Ubik can't be tiny. It no. just can't be. No, no, and no. So, um, so we're working hard and we're, and we're pushing it. We have a great producer named Alex Madigan who's, who's attached with us and, and we're, we're trying to find the right director and, Oof. you know, maybe one day we'll find, we'll find a way to make that movie. But it's, that, that's one of the, there are like three or four like super crown jewels mm-hmm. that mean a ton to Issa and to me that like, right. if we could see them realized properly and, and again, by properly, I don't mean literally, yep. I just mean passionately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be such a, such an achievement. I mean, it's that one, it's three stick Mata, which I think is just loaded up. Yes. And ready to okay. Go. I didn't um, Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's totally, it. totally freaky and amazing. Yeah. It's, awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, cool, man. Well, I mean, and there's so many other short stories to work with, so my fingers are crossed for... Uh, well, and that's the thing, you know, part of my job on developing the series, yeah. Electric Dreams, was to, to sequester, you know, 70 or 80 short stories, mm-hmm. which we didn't want to reserve for feature or TV rights. Yep. And so, you know, I, say, I saved, we didn't save that many, but we set aside just a few that we'd been already developing okay. or that we thought were had a huge potential as as this uh, television series unto itself. And then we actually took a couple of those and put them into season one because we thought maybe there's a way once we get one episode out um, to build that out into a, a larger series or, or some other form of adaptation. And so the idea for the for Electric Dreams was in some cases, maybe this is an interesting testing ground for a concept to see if it has even more uh, wider, broader appeal as a series or as a film or yeah, something. I, was, I mean, I'm, I, was, I was hoping that, you know, good response of this and, you know, High Castle's done pretty well. Well, uh, as far as I could tell, I'm not even sure, but you know that that could lead to more. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, High Castle's doing great. Good. Um, and, are you hard at work at the uh, on the next season? Yeah, we are. We're 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 deep deep into it. We we've we're uh, into post on the tenth episode oh, of the third season. So um, it's From, it's pretty great. And I wrote I this I transitioned into the writing staff this past year. Fantastic. So I wrote one of the episodes. Congrats. Did you really? <laughs> of season three. Yeah, yeah. Once that pops up, um, if you want and, to uh, come uh, back and, and so talk I to... think that we're we're full steam ahead on that. It seems to be one of Amazon's biggest um, biggest successes That's so, so far. So it's awesome, and it looks. Uh, at the end of the second season, things looked about to get nice and weird and, and out there in, in a really cool way. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty yeah, we're about we're it. sort of we're t- sort of t- making that leap. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, definitely. Like, at, at a certain point, you have to stop denying you're a sci-fi show. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, you can see. I feel like we crossed that threshold right right towards the end there. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Which makes it fun for moving forward. So, if you want to uh, come back and talk um, uh, High Castle, I'd love to, love to have you back. But, oh man, um, anytime. For this, though, I, I just want to say it was a pleasure to speak with you, and congrats again, and, and thanks for making the time. It, re- it really means a lot to me. And I'm, oh, I'm, thank you, and Michael. I'm, I think it's, it's an awesome thing you guys are doing. I love uh, the site, and I, I love your podcast. I think it goes into some pretty, pretty fantastic places. Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at OsirisPod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at Relics.com.